Are the cowboy boots mandatory? Like no. I've seen, I've seen it on the television. I think I have an idea of how it works. You're supposed to wear a cowboy boot. They free Those pour. Those two swinging doors. Those yeah. guys. Yeah. Is that where we're at? No. Oh gosh. <laughs> Television's led no. me astray again. Welcome to Gourmet Traveler's Set Menu. I'm your host Maggie Scartyfield. Sniff, swirl, sip or swig. Elizabeth McCall is a whiskey master taster, sensory scientist, and Kentucky native. On a recent trip to Sydney, she sat down with Gourmet Traveler's Pat Nurse for not one, but three bottles of Woodford Reserve. Describe your day. So you go to work, you drive through the bluegrass fields and past the countless thoroughbreds that, mm-hmm. you know, my mind's eye is picturing in Kentucky pull up on the porch, you sit on the rocking chair, you uncork a big ceramic jug and pour yourself a big coffee cup full of bourbon and then think about your day. How much does that, how closely does my (laughs) imagination here match the reality? You had it pretty close actually up until the point of sitting on the porch. You got a rocking Um, chair though, right? uh, (laughs) I don't, but I need to get a rocking chair and drinking uh, to start my day because I don't always start the day out that way. But it definitely does start with a drive-in through the horse fields um, in Kentucky because we are center. We are the only distillery in Kentucky that is nestled amongst a bunch of horse farms. Oh, wow. Um, you know, American Pharaoh, Triple Crown winner, he's our neighbor. Um, and so we're very, very fortunate. We're in a very beautiful area. So when you come to our distillery, you have to wind through all these horse pastures, lots of foals, especially springtime is a beautiful time to be there. Um, I'm known to pull off to the side of the road and take pictures when they're right at the fence because how can you not? Um, but I get out to the distillery and a lot of times the day starts with you know, boring stuff like email. We always have to do those things. Oh, but man. then my favorite days, every day is a little different. My favorite days are the days when I have to go and do some pulls from barrels for quality tasting or just personal selections. So putting together batches for customers that have ordered um, where you can you basically you per, you purchase a barrel it's called our buy the barrel program but really it's a two barrel batch and so we uh, myself you can either come out to the distillery to put it together or you can have myself or our master distiller chris morris put the batches together for you Fun. And so those are fantastic days and i love when i just sit and, and drill into barrels and taste and write down descriptors and that's kind of that can be your afternoon or well really your morning sometimes a lot of times i try to get that done first and then you can eat lunch, and then because they still have to drive home after work, you know, you always got to be responsible. Um, but other days, it's kind of stuff on the on the side of doing uh, kind of quality work. So I will have to look through our procedures, make sure everything's documented correctly, um, look at instruments to make sure they're all calibrated, so we we know we're measuring color appropriately and looking at turbidity and alcohol levels. Turbidity. Turbidity. Turbidity is very important. Is <laughs> turbidity a good thing in a bourbon th- whiskey? or? Well, no, but yes for those that are really into crafty things. So turbidity is measuring the number of suspended particles in liquid. And so when you finely filter it, so more heavily filtered, you take out all those little fines. And that makes for very clear whiskey. When it sits on the shelf, it doesn't get sediment at the bottom or very little. But the more craft you are and the more you're into less filtered whiskey, 
you want it more highly turbid. And so you make products that are different, you know, based on that. But we have a spec for um, Woodford Reserve where we really want to make sure that it stays pretty pure and that when it sits on your shelf, it's not going to get that sediment in it. We are planning to taste some Woodford Reserve here, Mm -hmm. as all sane people meeting with a, a master taste of wood. But while we're waiting for the for the whiskey to show up, mm-hmm. perhaps you should perhaps you could pour us a conceptual glass. Oh my goodness, it's, it's almost as if it happened by magic. I think oh the whiskey has arrived. Wow, it did. <laughs> but well, perhaps can you hear that, folks? That's the sound of the whiskey arriving. Dun, dun, dun. The day just the day just looked a lot brighter. <laughs> Look at that! Oh, beautiful! Oh, that's one of my favorites. That's our double oaked, the Woodford Reserve double oaked, Woodford Reserve rye, and of course, the one and only Woodford Reserve Distiller Select Straight Bourbon Whiskey. You've done this before. Yeah. These are, the gang's all here, and um, they're fantastic. And each one is so unique and wonderful in their own little way, and um, can't wait for you to taste. I'm going to make us wait, though. What Before we take <laughs> pop the corks on these attractive bottles of whiskey, I think Australia uh, is a reasonably large market mm-hmm. for American whiskey. Is oh, that yeah. is that right? I mean, oh, yeah. we're not a huge nation, but what's our what's our taste for for whiskey like? What was the brief before you came out here? Uh, before I came out here was that uh, Australians do enjoy their drink, um, and that Woodford Reserve is still not very well known, and bourbon is not something that's super hot and popular, but it's gaining a lot of interest. You know, there's a, there's the whole uh, just kind of culture of people that are just really into whiskey. So whiskey spans a huge category, and bourbon's just such a small piece of it. And um, so we're really trying to grow that and grow Woodford Reserve in that space and help people understand why it is kind of this sophisticated bourbon that you need to be drinking. Why should we be drinking this this tasty, tasty-looking bourbon? Uh, Woodford Reserve is the gold standard of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It is, if you want to taste something that's you're, you're going to be satisfied, you're going to get um, fruit character, sweet aromatic notes, spice, wood, um, and just a little bit of that grain coming through, you're going to want Woodford Reserve. And it goes great in a cocktail. It's fantastic, neat, or on the rocks, and um, it just it doesn't disappoint. Now, I know people who fall on all ends of the whiskey drinking spectrum from those who want it sort of at the rocket fuel end of of the ABV scale Mm -hmm. and they only want to take it stirred with a piece of rusty barbed wire right down (laughs) to on the other end of the spectrum people who don't even like to look at a bottle of brown spirits of any kind for those of us who aren't that excited about a brown spirit but are kind of curious Mm -hmm. how might we take some baby steps into uh, Kentucky Street Bourbon all right. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And I always encourage people, first of all, that with bourbon, it's not about drinking it the way people tell you you're supposed to drink it, but to drink it the way that you will enjoy it. Are the cowboy boots mandatory? Like no. I've seen I've seen it on the television. <laughs> I think I have an idea of how it works. You're supposed to wear a cowboy boot. You sort of front up to the bar. I think the piano player may or may not stop when you walk through the door. <laughs> They free Those pour. Those two swinging doors. Those yeah. guys, yeah. yeah. You, you free pour a big shot into a nasty-looking glass and then you throw it back and you, know, you do the slightest grimace to know that it's hurting you but not so much that you, you, know, you, you look like it's, it's causing you pain. Is that where we're at? No. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Television's led no. me astray again. Yeah, no. Um, so 
with our bourbon, you know, Woodford Reserve, it's not meant to give you any kind of grimace when you when you drink it. Right, uh, but down. of course, not wait, everybody. Wait, wait, just, just sorry, sorry, Elizabeth. No, <laughs> no grimace. grimace. <laughs> um, but it it is one of those things where the percent ABV will get you every once in a while. You know, so the you, amount of alcohol in the bottle. Yes. So um, we're at that forty three uh, percent. So we're we're right there. We're a good amount of alcohol. But um, what's fantastic is that. You can sip it, but it's not going to give you a harsh burn, and that does that's due to our maturation process, and just also our, our grain recipe is good and um, and um, helps with it's not super high rye content, so it's got a little more corn. So the the basics of bourbon are you need I think is it fifty one percent corn to yes. be called a bourbon legally in the U.S. and then yep, the other minimum. bits of that recipe of grain are. So then that's the only requirement as far as grain is concerned. But when it comes to distillation, you can't distill over 160 proof. Uh, so if you go over that, you're starting to lose some of that character from the grain. So you want to keep it lower. Um, and then when you go into the barrel, so it has to go into a new charred oak barrel. So that's a big thing when it comes to bourbon is that it's new and it's charred oak. And then your entry proof has to be low 125. Um, and so we're... 110 so that 55 percent so we're um still pretty high but what we're doing is that we're lowering it so that we're stretching our whiskey liquid and we're exposing it to more barrels because we're entering into the barrel at a lower proof point it does it increases a little slightly less than if you put it in at a higher proof point so during maturation in kentucky we have really hot summers and it causes uh, the angel share to happen yeah the barrels kind of breathe don't yes they? the barrels are breathing so during maturation when it heats up the whiskey's expanding being driven into the staves of the barrel and then um, while it's doing that you're losing volume so you're losing water volume from it so your proof goes up your percent AB, yeah you're, you're, the drink is being concentrated yes, in the and barrel so as it as it um, cools down it pulls out flavor and then you're creating headspace which also gives you oxidation, which creates a lot of fruit esters. Is headspace a gap in the barrel? Yeah. Between where the whiskey is and the top of the barrel? Yes, yes. So that's really important. You know, wine, they want to top off the barrel so you don't get that bourbon and whiskey making you want headspace you want that that gap in the barrel um, because it gives you a lot of flavor and then with our warehouses we also heat cycle them so heat cycling means that in the winter time when it's really really cold uh, whiskey normally sits dormant in the barrels and it doesn't move in and out of the wood what we're doing is we heat it up so we'll go after it's sat at 60 degrees. So we've just entered into heat cycling back in Kentucky because it's gotten cold there now. So we'll hold it once the whiskey gets up to about um, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So I don't know what that is in Celsius, but very hot. Just think of a hot summer day. We heat it up to hot summer-like temperatures, hold it there for two weeks. And then after the end of that two weeks, we cut off the, the heat and just let it cool down naturally with the outside temperatures. And um, so if it's really, really cold, it'll cool down quickly. If it's mild, cool down a lot more slowly. So depending on how cold it is, depends on how many cycles we'll get in. But is what that that's cheating? Doing, no, it's not cheating. It's a, it's a process that anybody's allowed to do it. It's yeah. an expensive process, um, but it does gain maturation, which is really nice. Um, and so that gives us what I think a little more rounded flavor profile and a lot of the, the nice finish on that bourbon. So you get a little bit more sort of Kentucky summer in every bottle. Yep. Okay. Exactly. How do you pick a good bourbon whiskey? So if you're tasting a, a bunch of bourbons blind, mm -hmm. what are you looking for as a master taster? For me, it is the finish. 
because so the finish is what you're left with. You know, you you can have brilliant nose on the on the bottle or on the glass, and you nose it, and you're like, oh, it tastes so. You know, that nose is amazing. For for non-scientific tasters, that means when you're smelling it. Smelling it, it, yes. When I nose the glass and I think, okay, it it can have amazing sweet aromatics and spice character stuff that I really prefer, even like nice floral notes at times. And then you taste it and sometimes it can just be flat. It's like you'll have this amazing, great bouquet on the the nose and then the flavor will just kind of fall flat. Just die. And then the finish, you're like, okay, I'm I'm bored. It's not leaving me wanting more and going, oh, that was just so good. Because you just want to sit... And sip and savor. Your, and your is that a failure on the part of, uh, you know, someone else doing your job less well somewhere else or someone doing the master distiller's job less well somewhere else? I mean, where does that fall down? Is it the the grain? Is it what they've done in the barrel? Is it how they've distilled it? Or I guess it's a common, is it a combination of all those things? It's, or? it's a combination of all of the things. And it can be even just going down to batching and putting the the barrels together and not getting the right ones um, so it can be anywhere throughout the process you're listening to gourmet traveler's set menu should we drink some whiskey i think let's, we should. let's step back let's mm-hmm. let's open these handsome bottles yes so should we start with the the gold standard of kentucky straight bourbon whiskey you're the boss here. i have, I have some select. rakishly mismatched glasses here which which of these do you prefer do you want the clear ones or the not clear ones i'll take you all take the the clear okay so you can see the color i do like this variety of glassware it's luxurious gourmet traveler branded glassware ladies and gentlemen (laughs) so i just poured the woodford reserve distiller select straight kentucky bourbon whiskey go ahead and nose this and there is a way to properly dissect your bourbon glass and that's something to really keep in mind when you're out drinking your your bourbon or any whiskey really because there's a lot going on so in a glass of woodford reserve distiller select bourbon we have over 200 flavors in this glass, and we've done the testing chemically to look at it to know that those those flavors are there. Now, can we pick them up by the human nose with every single one? No, it's not detectable, but there is a great deal that are detectable in this glass. Um, so to help your better your chances of picking them all out, you always start by wafting it under your nose. Wafting. Wafting. So you just kind of go around. Back so we're just forth. we're just waving the glasses under our noses here, Back but in a forth. very professional-looking way. Yes, and well, the reason why you're doing that is because all of the lightest characteristics from the whiskey is going to be on the top of your glass, and so that's going to be if you want to find a floral note, light vanillas, light fruits, right up there on the top. Can we do this in public, or is mm-hmm. this best done in the the privacy you, of our the own cooler, homes? The cooler, the cooler you you know, if you do this in public, you're going to look like you really know what you're doing. That you're guy there. Whiskey. He knows his wafting. Yes, it's true. Well, because it, it not like wine. Like wine, when you first get it, you want to swirl it, and then you nose it. But you don't do that with your high-proof spirits. Because if you do that, all you're going to get is the alcohol. And I'll show you in a minute. So we're, so we're not swirling our glass. We're not swirling we're it right now. We're just moving it gently back and forth under our noses, or as and they say in the trade, wafting. Wafting back and forth. And then you get your nose deeper into the glass and take a nice deep breath in and blow out your mouth. Speaking for the non-professionals in the room, it's a rich, rounded smell. Round. It's You're not getting a burn when no. you first put your nose in this. I mean, some strong spirits, strong waters, I should say, you don't really want to stick your nose into them 
No, like so this. at the top of the glass, you're going to get those light vanillas, even a little pear note. Sometimes rose petal is a great uh, floral note that comes across. But when you get your nose deeper into the glass, you're going to see brown sugar, caramel, um, even some of that spice character starting to develop, dried dark fruits like your cranberry or your prune. Then you go ahead and you can swirl your glass. So now go swirl I'm it swirling around. now, swirling. swirling, swirling I've moved swirling. from wafting to swirling. <laughs> and now go ahead and nose this. You can see it kind of lights up your nostrils a little bit more. Mm, you so see that alcohol see coming that. up now. So that's the alcohol. So that's yeah. why you don't want to swirl initially because you're going to see more alcohol. But what it also shows you is more of the spice character. So if you think of your, your clove or your cinnamon, it comes through really, really nicely um, as you're, after you swirl. So it brings out spice. I just inhaled too deeply then, I think, Elizabeth. <laughs> All right, now go ahead and take a sip. And I want you to sip like you're sipping hot coffee or tea so we're not going to slug it back. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm going to taste, and they shoot it. And, I'm, and I always am like, okay, you're missing it. So if you just take a little sip and let your palate warm, warm up to that, because it is high proof, you know, it, it's at 46, um, 43%. So it's going to be a little bit hot. But if you warm up your palate and then you take a second and a third sip, you can actually taste more of the flavors. That's some good whiskey right there. Yeah. What about pairing bourbon with food? Or oh. what, I mean, if, when, you're, when you're enjoying a bourbon back in Kentucky, mm -hmm. what do Kentuckians eat with that? Anything. Okay. I mean, it really, it goes, it really does go well, and that's, that's, such, a, that, that that's great, such a Kentucky response. That like, great I always Kentucky drink dish of anything. Yeah. You drink bourbon with pretty much any part of the meal. It doesn't kill the food. It can bring it to life. And we actually do a food pairing with Woodford Reserve and actually all of our expressions um, to highlight how that happens. And so that's really, really fun. Like we'll do Parmesan cheese. And the reason, and so cheese is a great thing to pair um, with your bourbon because what you're doing is you're going to, if it's a very fatty cheese. So Parmesan is great because it's very fatty, but it's also concentrated, dehydrated, lots of flavor. So you chew that, let it coat your palate, and then when you sip your Woodford with it still on there, you're gonna you're blocking a lot of the alcohol receptors on your tongue. So it softens the feel of the alcohol, but it also brings out a little more nutty characteristics. That you know, there's great hazelnut character and almond character in your Woodford. So when you drink that, it it helps you see that in, on your palate. So it's a fun way to train your palate, and it's also a way to understand how you can how bourbon and food go well together and how they can um, help each other out. That's, yeah, barbecue I was expecting. Parmesan cheese and, and bourbon is a new one. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that's one we're all going to have to try when we head out today. Yes. With that in mind, set the scene for me. What's the perfect whiskey drinking situation for Elizabeth McCall? Where are you? Uh, what time of day? Where in the world are we in? Are we in Versailles, Kentucky? Are we, you know, is it a Friday afternoon at home? Are we, you know, on the porch? Keep coming back to the mm -hmm. porch. I know you do. You have this great. We get a lot of television here. <laughs> yeah. um, my favorite way to end the day, and then also to uh, fight off any colds and keep myself healthy, is a hot toddy, and I'll do it with a tea, like a nighttime tea, and um, with. Woodford Reserve and honey and lemon and heat it up and it's the most wonderful thing at bedtime. 
It that really sounds is. incredibly soothing. Take that hot cups of milk. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Who wants that? I mean, you can have, I mean, it relaxes you. It's just the best thing ever. So lactose free or do you put butter in your toddies? Nope. There you go. No. It's, it's, it's nectar. It's just so good for you. So I'm going to mispronounce some names at you or mm-hmm. some of them I hope to get right. Jack Daniel, mm-hmm. Jim Beam, mm-hmm. Pappy Van Winkle, George Dickel, Basil Hayden, George T. Stagg. Mm-hmm. There's no women's names in that list. No. Is that going to change anytime soon, do you think? Or uh, why is that? I think that you are going to definitely see that changing. Uh, there are a lot of women in the distilling industry right now. Um, and it's just been one of those things that historically, so you think back, um, prohibition uh, in, in the U.S. really did women some injustice. Um, but then with the uh, women's rights coming along, um, you start to see that women do drink cocktails or drink, but it's in cocktails and it's light. And there are even great advertisements at home where you see a man's hand holding his whiskey glass and it's neat. And then you have the woman holding a very uh, dainty glass that has a cocktail in it, you know, with the umbrella or whatever. So, um, I, whenever I order a round of drinks, the waiter always puts the umbrella drink in front of my girlfriend and the, uh, sorry, the umbrella drink in front of my girlfriend and the whiskey in front of me. And we have to do the little swapsies after that. Yep. I'm like, I really, really want my umbrella. Like, come on. <laughs> You're like, I want the umbrella drink. And so there, there became this idea. And so um, now it's really just breaking down those barriers. And women are now going out and you order your whiskey. And, and it's kind of, it's a very empowering thing now. And, and we have a lot of women working in the industry, so it's not as negative to see that. But women are also in the workplace a lot more now anyways. So it's all kind of shifting together. And um, But yeah, you're going to see a lot more name, women's names on that list coming up or in the one, future. one, even. Yeah, one. All right, so I think we should taste next our Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. Uh, so double oaked is where we t- have taken Woodford Reserve Distiller Select Bourbon, and instead of putting it into a bottle, we put it into a second barrel. The second barrel is made specifically for the second barreling. We call it our double oaked barrel. What makes that barrel so special is that it is heavily toasted and lightly charred. So what is toasting? I'm feeling kind of similar at the moment, actually, and I'm only one one glass in. <laughs> So toasting is a process where we heat up the wood, but we don't set it on fire. So heating it up is simply, it's, it's basically like a toaster oven when you have your bread. You stick it in the toaster oven and you heat it. You start to smell the rich aroma of all those grains, and it really brings out that character. Same concept with your wood is that we're just, we have a heat probe that the barrel sits on, um, and it doesn't touch it, so it's just radiant heat. Heats it up. Wood gets a nice kind of little toasted color to it, a little more brown, um, but it doesn't catch on fire. So that gets into the lignin layer of the wood, which is where all the vanilla notes are, creamy notes. Um, So it's really pulling those out. So we're doing that for 40 minutes. A regular Woodford bourbon barrel is just a 10-minute toast. So huge difference. And it only goes in the second barrel for up to 12 months. So the color is huge. I mean, it's beautiful. The this color is, is This dark. is significantly darker than the first whiskey we tried today. Yes. So the first the first bourbon we had was is kind of more that light lighter brown, but a little orangey. This is rich, dark brown color. I mean, you would think that it had caramel coloring in it, but it doesn't. You can't. Legally, bourbon is only water is added. So, so we're wafting here, ladies and gentlemen. We're wafting, and what you're going to get is butterscotch. 
This could just be the power of suggestion, folks, but I'm definitely getting butterscotch here. I mean, butterscotch, maple syrup. You get your nose deeper into the glass. Definitely maple syrup. This was designed to be on the dessert side of the menu. Nobody had ever put a bourbon on the dessert side of a menu before, but our master distiller, Chris Morris, was like, huh, well, let's try that. Let's see. Let, what, what could that be like? And how do we achieve that? And we achieve it with our second barrel. We have our own cooperage, um, so we are able to play with barrels as much as we want. How's um, that for a... a <laughs> nice piece of bragging rights yeah. we have our own cooperage we have our own cooperage so it's not we're not working with another company where somebody else can purchase a barrel like ours you can only get a double oaked barrel from our cooperage our brown form and cooperage um, and you can only get woodford reserve one thing i do love to point out is that you can only buy woodford reserve in a bottle of woodford reserve so we are a proprietary batch we don't buy from anybody else and we don't sell our whiskey to anybody else so you know you're getting something that's really high quality and here's our next one. Oh, you can hear the quality there all right there oh no i've rye. just been handed the bottle i'm doing the pouring now this, this is, is dangerous. peril will ensue <laughs> it's so good yes. so rye whiskey or american whiskey 101 mm-hmm. rye Rye. What's the story with rye whiskey? So rye whiskey, much like bourbon, the rule is it cannot be less than 51% rye grain. So you take all the bourbon rules and you change out the grain percentage. And it has to be majority rye. And that makes for a drier whiskey traditionally or drier but spice think of rye grain if you think of your uh, a sourdough bread because we're sour mash sourdough bread as opposed to your rye bread rye's got more spice character to it so you just think of it in the same kind of uh, thought as that um, so it's going to be more spice forward um, so our grain recipe with our rye is 53% rye, 33% corn, and 14% malted barley. Um, and a lot of ryes that are on the market right now that are really popular and kind of kick-started a lot of the, the popularity are around 95% to 100% rye. And there's a lot of kind of thought behind um, why that's hard to make, and those are not considered pre-prohibition-style ryes. They're not historically how people were drinking rye. This is like tasting a piece of history, at least American history. You know, I was just um, in Washington, D.C., or at Mount Vernon at the George Washington Distillery, and he was one of America's largest distillers during his time. And um, he made rye whiskey, and so we were drinking that, and it was fantastic. So this is how people were drinking before Prohibition. So when you nose this... I'm going to waft first, if that's okay. Yes, go ahead and waft. Wafting. So you're going to see there's some sweetness there. You get your nose deeper into the glass, and you can see that spice character. If you think of your, I get like a dill note that comes through first. Um, But then you're going to get some of that bakery spice. Think of your clove and your nutmeg really coming through nicely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there. And so if you were to sit down and taste, or just nose these three side by side, you're going to see something different with each of them. Um, There's even a little herbal note, like a tea note lemon too. It's really distinctive. Mm-hmm. Now go ahead and give it a taste. My favorite words this afternoon. Mm-hmm. It tastes quite grown up, the mm-hmm. rye. Yes. yes. Not that not that these other whiskeys don't. But it, They're it's not a, kids' whiskeys. But <laughs> no, but it's sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, it really, really is sophisticated because it's got um, 
the spice forwardness, but it's, you see the layers, you know, you've got, um, and what I love is you get that nuttiness on the finish. Now, Elizabeth McCall, I can spend all afternoon sitting here drinking whiskey with you, but we've, we've just about run out of time. Mm-hmm. One question I want to ask you before you go, two-part question, horrifying that phrase, <laughs> would you rather live in a world with whiskey or a world without that seems so simple. I would much rather live in a world with whiskey. And with that in mind, mm-hmm. what is whiskey for? Whiskey is for enjoyment and kind of enriching your, your experience at a function, um, just to, a way to unwind in your day um, or to celebrate. Um, it's definitely something we always want to keep responsibility in mind. Um, because you don't want to overconsume it, and you definitely because that's you're not even enjoying it at that point. So sip and savor is what I really like to think about. Is that when you're enjoying one of our whiskeys, you're gonna sip and just savor every every sip, and just enjoy it. So which one was your favorite, and why? I think I have a weakness for the just drinking them straight. I think mm-hmm. I have a weakness for the double oak. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a real, it has a real, really appealing, dark, inky, deep flavor. But having said that, mm-hmm. I'm really itching to try the rye in a cocktail. Yeah. I think that would make a wonderful um, old fashioned. It would make mm. a really fantastic Manhattan. And I think mm-hmm. it would make a very interesting Sazerac. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, Sazerac is fantastic as well with that. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for the show today. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you know when the next one drops and leave us a review so it's easy for other people to find us. Our January issue is on sale now. We're talking ice cream, barbecuing and recipes straight out of the kitchen of one of the hottest new openings in Melbourne, David Moyle's Long Song. Until next time, thanks for listening.